And good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Baseball Talk. I am Paul Hillier, along with Steve Fitzsimmons and Andy Clark. As always, uh, Steve and I are back from our tour to Winnipeg last week, and uh, (laughs) thanks to Andy for holding down the fort for us. Uh, We've got a great episode lined up for you tonight. Uh, We have special guests in in studio with us for the first part of the show. He is the president of the Concordon Minor Baseball, uh, Jay Bell. Thanks for coming in, Jay. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, fellas. Uh, Andy, you can... Start it off for us. Yeah, so uh, so first thing to clear things up for our uh, viewers and our uh, listeners on radio here. Yes, there are two J-Bells. <laughs> and this is the Canadian J-Bell, not, not the American J-Bell that uh, played for the, the Pittsburgh Pirates. But this is the J-Bell that did go south of the border and had a really successful uh, NCAA Division I uh, pitching career with uh, University of Missouri. And how about we started off there, because uh, you're from Kincardine originally, right? That's correct, yeah. So how, how did a guy, this is, we're going back to the 90s, and there wasn't a whole lot of scouting in this area for players, so how did a, a young fella from Kincardine, Ontario, end up playing for uh, University of Missouri? Uh, it, was, uh, it was a good journey. Uh, I was back in grade uh, 11. I talked to my parents, and uh, I wasn't very uh, successful in my high school educational career, and the path (laughs) I was going down made it. I was going down uh, not the wrong path, but uh, wasn't very focused and talked to my parents, and I ended up going out to um, uh, Notre Dame out in Saskatchewan High School out there for grade 11. And played some hockey and played some baseball. It's and produced some really. Uh, that's like where Wendell Clark and Russ correct. Cartnell and yeah, yeah. Sydney Crosby hockey. has been there. Yeah, Crosby went there too. Wow. Yeah, there's yeah. some uh, Cujo went out there. So, um, uh, yeah, so some some names from hockey went out there and uh, actually went out there. And the baseball coach was uh, Ron Heisler. He pitched in the 1967 Olympics in uh, Montreal, and uh, we had an eight game schedule out there. And I, I think I threw six of the games, and we did pretty good. But uh, he, he made the suggestion to my parents and said that, uh, you know, your son here might be, he's an okay hockey player. He might muck around a little bit, but he has some talent with some baseball. So um, my mom, uh, actually it was my aunt and uncle that had a, uh, my aunt had a sister that lived in Arizona. So I went on an exchange student program to Brophy College Prep in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, went there and... Uh, it was a 5A school and had a successful season. Um, coach Brock was the head coach at Arizona State uh, University, ASU, and he had recruited me, uh, but he wanted me to go play with a gentleman by the name of Larry Smith that was a Scottsdale College uh, head coach. He said, uh, Jay, you're a little raw. Uh, it'd be good for you to learn uh, some mechanics, fundamentals, and things like that. And then when you're done with Larry, after a year or two there, then, uh, you know, if you, you know, progress, then we'd love to have you at Arizona State. So I went to Scottsdale College, uh, had a great year there, and, and unfortunately, Coach Brock passed away at Arizona State, and they uh, brought in Pat Murphy, and he's a, he's an assistant head coach at uh, Milwaukee right now, but he was a well-renowned coach from Notre Dame and actually won a few College World Series with Arizona State, and uh he didn't. Uh, he didn't think much of me at that time, <laughs> so my Arizona State dreams kind of went down the uh, the tube. So I was getting ready for next season, and uh, actually uh, hurt my arm and uh, did some rehab, and uh, went on to Clarinda, Iowa, uh, with a gentleman by the name of uh, Merle Epperly. He's passed away, but that program had seen Ozzie Smith and Chuck Nabla, uh, quite a few major leaguers come through there, 
and uh, had a successful season. And uh, that's when Mizzou saw me. And uh, that's where I ended up getting my uh, scholarship from, from that summer, coming off rehab. So, um, yeah, so ups and downs. It was a great journey and uh, ended up, uh, you know, where I belonged at Mizzou. Nice. And you mentioned off air that uh, the way you worked out your scholarships kind of worked out for you in that you uh, secured all three of them at the same time? Yeah, it's it's actually a fun story my dad likes to tell. The coaches actually would call my dad in Concordia at the Concordia Golf and Country Club when I was in Clarendon one and offer a scholarship to me and they wanted to talk to me and my dad graciously said, "Well, I think you need to talk to my son. He knows a little bit more than I do on it, but a, you know, a free free scholarship or free education sounds pretty good to me," he said. <laughs> so <laughs> so at that time, um, you know, universities only gave uh, one-year uh, scholarships at the time and a lot of them are football players right yeah and with injuries and stuff like that it seemed like on you know kind of unfair but i kind of understood what was going on so i negotiated with mizzou is that hey listen i'll come and play i can go back to junior college play one more year probably get some more offers or not or i can come to mizzou and you can give me a full ride but i want all three years plus my fourth year if i had to graduate and they did that exactly so it turned out great, so I needed an extra half semester to graduate, so it was good. Yeah. You you mentioned about the uh, being raw, and of course, uh, you know, with the weather in Canada, it's difficult for Canadian players to be able to play baseball year round, uh, unlike unlike their U.S. counterparts and around the world. Mm-hmm. And did you feel like you had some catching up to do in that aspect of of just you know refining your skills where? You could do it for six months a year and other people for 12. Absolutely. I think um, the one thing that when I was a kid, uh, I loved to play ball. I loved to throw the ball on top of the roof, catch it, throw it against, you know, down at the, the public school, against the wall and things like that. But um, I had great mentors as coaches as far. But the um, – and this is not a slight on the coaches, but at the time just the, the fundamentals of the game weren't were quite developed in our area or – for that matter, probably most of Canada or Ontario, right, in the, the mid to late 80s. So to be able to go down there and get coaching, and to your point, on the field every single day was great. But uh, I can, I'll can i never forget, you know, Reg Daze and Ben Ho- or, uh, 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 Mr. Hogan and, and uh, Mr. Rohde and some of these coaches that really brought my love of the game to a new level. So I appreciate those folks. Now, uh, earlier this year, we had Ron Pegg on, who's known in this area for coaching and all sorts of stuff. Did you have a bit of a connection there? Because I know his son went to Scottsdale, too. Yeah, actually, um, Ron is is a great mentor of mine, a great man. And uh, I used to pitch for Flesher and men's team when I was a kid. I was like 15, 16, and I was hitching rides down to Flesher to play Wednesday (laughs) night games and Thursday night games when I was a kid. And uh, I ended up going to Scottsdale at the same time Rob did. And the pegs had a um, condominium down there. So uh, when I was in high school, I ended up staying with him. So I was an 18-year-old kid in grade 12 living in Scottsdale condo with a pool and stuff. So it was a good time there <laughs> wow. for two or three years. So, yeah, there's a there's a great relationship. Um, I won an All-Ontario championship with the juvenile team in Flesherton. At that time, we didn't have one in King Garden. And so uh, me and Mike Daze and... Uh, I'm not sure if Keith Colley was on that team, but we went down to play for Flesher and won a, a provincial title with them as well. Well, let's talk about your time uh, with Missouri. Um, you were very successful there. You have great numbers, um, and uh, 
and had tremendous success. Tell us about uh, the experience of playing at that level of NCAA. It, it was fantastic. Uh, we were in a major conference. Uh, we started my first year was uh, uh, the Big Eight. And there was no team that had won the regular season championship in 15 years other than Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. And we ended up winning that year. And then we transferred into the Big 12. So we added Texas, Texas Tech, uh, Texas A&M, and Baylor to the conference. Um, I was lucky enough to be a weekend starter, which meant you were a conference starter. Um, so that was, you know, I was always number two, number three, right in there. We had a couple we had some studs on that team, so anywhere I could fit in to help out that team at that time it was a pretty special time because uh, uh, we rebuilt the program. It had gone through some losing season before, so uh, you know Coach Jay, who just uh, actually stepped down and retired from coaching, uh, it looks back on that team fondly because we had gone through, through uh, some losing years and then kind of rebuilt the program. So. And as a as a pitcher, um, did you have a specialty? Like, were you the hundred mile an hour fastball kind of guy, or were you more the the finesse guy that threw the high eighties, low nineties sliders and curveballs to get guys? Yeah, out? I think uh, before I hurt my arm, I you know I could throw pretty hard, and I had a good slider, and I could get left handers out. Um, after the injury, I had to learn how to pitch, so I learned how to sink the ball, cut the ball, uh, you know, curveballs and stuff like that. So. Um, you know, looking back, you know, in that short little time span that I had, I, I you know, I enjoyed my time at Mizzou because I really had to pitch. I had to understand what the hitters were doing because I quite didn't have the stuff to overpower anybody or anything like that. So it was about setting up hitters and, and uh, things along those lines. So, yeah. So before your injury and after your injury, what would your velocities be? I was throwing, you know, at, uh, you know, 92, 91 to 93 in there. But I had I could get left-handers out. I had a good breaking ball, good slider. Um, after that, I never threw you know much harder than 85, 86. But I learned to sink the ball, learned to pitch, and um, but I didn't have the breaking ball anymore. I couldn't get left-handers out. That was I think that was the most frustrating part of all. It wasn't necessarily the full uh, velocity, which you know for draft status and going on that's a big thing. But man, you know for so many years getting left-handers out fairly easy, not to be able to get them out anymore. <laughs> Looking back, I think that was one thing that uh, frustrated me more than anything. When you were able to pitch 92-93, uh, did you have aspirations to get drafted in the Major League Baseball draft or and move forward in professional baseball? And, and I assume yeah. after that you maybe didn't when you when you had that yeah, injury? Yeah, I, I did. I, I Actually, I fell in love with college baseball when I read the book The Rocket Man, uh, the Roger Clemens book written by Peter Gamans. And it was back in, I think it was like 1987, 1988, around that time. And he went to the University of Texas. And, you know, and you read about the stories of college baseball and stuff like that. And as I developed as a young man and kind of understood, uh, you know, the value of education, didn't understand when I was in grade 9 and 10, not no. doing very well in school. Then you move away and then you kind of understand how it's getting more and more important. Um, of course, I had aspirations. I wanted to play in the bigs. There's no doubt about that. But... Um, you know, uh, to be able to get my education paid for and, uh, you know, very proud of that. So, What did you take when you were there? I was in uh, a hotel restaurant management, uh, you know, uh, so it was a bachelor of science okay. uh, degrees, yeah, so four-year course. So. Um, so even though after the surgery, uh, the, the dream of the big leagues might not have been there as much, how much did you consider uh, playing, like, maybe some single-air I know Rob Pegg, after uh, he played at Vanguard mm -hmm. University, he, he played one year 
of uh, single A in an independent league there. I believe it was with the Canton Crocodiles. Mm-hmm. So did you entertain any thoughts of uh, taking that route? Yeah, um, I, I didn't have surgery. I tried to do rehab. Oh, rehab surgery. Yeah, so, yeah. but I did. I had to actually Jack Clark was the, the head coach of St. Louis, the independent uh, team in uh, St. Louis at that time. Actually, London, Ontario had an independent. They were part of that league. But the big one for me that I kind of regret was the Sydney Roos. It was the Australian Pro League over there. They had contacted me. The league's defunct now, but at the time it was there, and I had an opportunity to go over to Sydney. Would have been quite the journey. Yeah. So, but I made some life changes that went in a different direction. But um, yeah, no regrets. But the odd time, you know, you look back and go, uh, it would have been nice to go over to Sydney for a little bit. Now, Jay, you've been uh, active with. uh Baseball in your community with Concarden, you're the president of Concarden Minor Baseball, but also you've brought a number of people to the area to do clinics and, and those kinds of things. Um, and I know um, that's been something when you when you Google your name, it comes up immediately. All the good things you're doing. Tell us a bit about uh, you know getting involved in that aspect of it. Well, I'm a you know my personal life. I I believe everything I have in my life are from my family. Um, uh, that my town, my community, and the game of baseball. Everything I have, you know, from my education to my job, it, it can all relate back to that. So I wanted to, to give back, like the people like Newt Cato and Harold Maurer and uh, Rob Davidson and uh, Reg Daze. And, and uh, so the idea, like, I became, uh, you know, got involved, I think, four years ago. We had 140 kids, 144. You know, we had 340 this year. Wow. So we're very proud of that. So we have some initiatives to grow the sport. Now, of course, the Blue Jays help in that. Uh, but we did, in, uh, you know, introduce some new things in the area. Uh, two years ago, we started our KNBA baseball camp. Uh, we had uh, Brett Saberhagen. This year, we had Jesse Barfield. And then um, three years ago, I've been uh, bugging a teacher up at the KDSS, uh, Peter Wolf, for about seven years, getting a baseball program together. And there's no league. There had been no league in the area. So we formed a team, a one-league team, or one-team league. <laughs> we played two games. Ryan Enright from Hanover was gracious enough to have his midget team give us a doubleheader. Okay. Last year we had uh, four teams, and this year we're going to have eight teams. Wow, so great. it's growing in the area. So baseball in general is growing. So um, I love it. We, I'm very excited about our program. Uh, we have some great coaches that uh, kept the program alive, like uh, Warren Beisel, and uh, Steve Trevelier and Len Arnold and some people. And we got some up-and-coming coaches, uh, Travis Van Gaver, uh, Jeremy McQuilly, uh, McQuillan. He's from Ripley. He, you might know him from his Ripley Wolves day playing hockey, seven or eight-time All-Star. But you, you can talk to him about that. They won two or three Tier 2 division championships or something like that. So so our program's growing, So, and they're crossing over from hockey to baseball. So we're pretty excited. I think uh, probably the timing of you, you know, getting engaged in that aspect of, of giving back to your community and the Blue Jays resurgence kind of coincided together at the same time, probably a helpful part of it as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, the Blue Jays, um, when I was a kid, you know, growing up in the 80s and, and those teams there, it was, it was so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, that was back in the days when you wouldn't get every game on TV, too. Remember when you, you know, had the weekend games on TSN yep. or CBS? Be the every third yeah. game or something, right? I remember sitting up with Pop, with Tom Cheek. We'd have our scorebook yeah. through the week, and I never got past the seventh inning. I always fall asleep, but <laughs> couldn't wait for the weekends to yeah. see uh, TSN. And That's right. Even Buck Martinez was back in TSN back way back in those That's days. That's right. Well. Yeah. 
So now here's a question for you. Uh, I, I should say for our audience there that uh, well-known local fella Johnny K, Johnny Colius. Yes, he actually is someone who recommended uh, a bunch of our guests, including yourself, because right. uh, he's a buddy of yours. And uh, he he delved into his own memory and he said, "I had to ask you about quote Bell is a humdinger." In peewee baseball. Oh, yeah. So what's that story all about? Uh, actually, yeah, it's funny you brought that up. Uh, we went to the peewee CNE tournament back when we were kids. The you know, CNE in Toronto? There. The yeah. CNE tournament. It's basically made up of AAA and AA Toronto teams and area teams. And, and we got in as a little uh, town team, a C or D division. And we made a pretty um, memorable run. We got all the way to the semifinals of the tournament. And there was newspaper artists, kind of like the the Little League World Series. As we got further in the tournament, there was more article, you know, newspaper articles. Some hype. Yeah, and George Bell played in Toronto, so the headline of the Toronto Star is, this Bell's a humdinger in Pee Wee Baseball. And I'd hit a home <laughs> run in the game to kind of get us the lead in the one game. So, yeah. So, yeah. It's, uh, it's funny he brought that up. That's a pretty cool uh, clipping to have from back in your uh, yeah. minor league days. He's yeah. a great ball player, too, when he's a kid. Dude, Johnny K. Johnny K. Yeah, he's nice. a left-handed pitcher. Uh, I played football yeah. with him. I didn't play baseball with him, but yeah, good all-around athlete. You wouldn't believe it, but he was yeah. a heck of a base stealer. Just oh, ask, wow, yeah. Just ask him. Yeah, a good hockey yeah, player, yeah, too. Yeah, too. Yeah. 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 He's built kind of like the Stan Jonathan yeah. uh, body frame there, or the, <laughs> yeah. the fire hydrant type <laughs> thing. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. Jay, when you look back uh, you know, 20 years ago versus now and the resources that, in, in terms of coaches and training and stuff available to Canadian baseball kids today... Um, Night and day between absolutely, then and now. yeah. I, I like one of the proud things. I um, we have seven kids that have come out of our program that are playing AAA baseball wow. uh, down in uh, the city. We have two, uh, two that are playing with the Ontario Blue Jays. Wow. We got three that are playing with the Great Lake Canadians, and I guess we have two that are playing or three playing for the uh, Ontario Nationals. Oh, so long. I guess that's eight. Not very good at math, but uh, <laughs> anyways, I think that's uh, the coaching that wow. is coming in and the, from Canadian baseball um, and our different types of coaching clinics that we have. It is night and day. It's it's phenomenal, and you know, uh, I'm very proud to say my stepson's playing AAA down in Ontario National, but he's a catcher, and what makes me proud, he goes on YouTube a lot and looks at different videos, and there's so much on the internet to learn too. And it lines up a lot with the coaching that's going on in the area. And we use that, you know, some of our coaches use that as well. Maybe our newer coaches that are learning the game and stuff, they get, you know, they go on a YouTube and listen to whatever great hitter and, uh, you know, George Brett or whoever and, 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 you know, and kind of pass things along. So, yeah, it is night and day. Advice for somebody that wants to get their their kids into into baseball um, and at a, at a solid level, they have some talent. And mm-hmm. where do you start with that? I think the the first thing you start with is um, understanding that it, it it doesn't matter how much as a parent you push your kid, it's going to be the commitment level on their end. Um, are they going to go out by themselves and work on these things? It's just like uh, baseball when you get down to practicing. It's a lot like golf. So who goes out in the range and hits balls? Same. Who goes down to the works off the tee, works on their blocking, works on their footwork, and you can't as a coach in an hour and a half practice or two practice a week develop that in a kid in our area, or even at AAA level. They're on. It's these kids that are going to go out and do the extra work and put in the extra time, but they have to love it themselves. You just can't push a kid to do it. Right. So um, I'd let them just have fun, develop, you know, work on their arm. Uh, arm strength is a big one 
and uh, you know, foot speak. You know, you either have it or you don't, but it's uh, it's one thing that uh, you can work on as well. So, well, you're doing a lot of great things and uh, continued success with that. And and thanks for coming in studio with us. Okay, thanks, fellas. Thanks for thanks. having me. Good yeah, luck. Thanks for talking. Jay to us. Bell, and uh, we'll take a break and be back with more on baseball talk right after this. Baseball Talk is brought to you by Lasting Memories Locker Room, downtown Hanover, where you will find incredible sports memorabilia, art supplies, and custom framing. Check them out online at lastingmemorieslockerroom.com. Hey, heads up! You okay to play, Sophie? How's your breathing? Fine, Coach. My asthma's under control, and I want to score a goal. Okay, have fun. Good call, Coach. Children with well-controlled asthma can be just as active as other kids. Hi, I'm 11-time Ironman champion Lisa Bentley. Asthma didn't hold me back, and it shouldn't stop your child from being active either. Great goal, Sophie! To find out more, order the Ontario Lung Association's Asthma Active Booklet for Children. Phone 1-888-344-LUNG. August 24th is A&W Burgers to Beat MS Day. Last year, A&W Hanover raised over $2,400. Their goal this year is $3,000. This is going to be accomplished by collecting at the restaurants, as well as $2 from every teen burger sold on this day. A&W needs your support to make this event even bigger. This year, they're looking to set up a raffle table. In order to do this, they need some help from our local businesses through product donations. Any donations are appreciated. If you would like to support this great day, please contact A&W Hanover at 519-364-6723 or email at awhanover at yahoo.ca. Help us and MS. Join us in Hanover this summer. We've got an experience for you. Enjoy live music, harness racing and theater, play the slots, or family recreational activities. Tour our vibrant downtown featuring great shopping and events. Taste our locally brewed, handcrafted beer and the many dining options. This is just a snapshot of what awaits you. Visit Temptations Downtown Hanover for the largest selection of gifts and home decor in the area. Your home becomes your story when you fill it with things you love. Discover more at Hanover.ca. Bruce and Gray Counties are amazing places to live, but sometimes they can be difficult to get around and explore. That's where Soggy Mobility and Regional Transit comes in. Since 1977, they've specialized in public transit service to those with permanent or temporary mental and physical challenges within Bruce and Gray Counties. Finally, you have the ability to stay mobile. Life can be challenging. Let Soggy Mobility help. To find out more about smart services in your area or to register, visit SoggyMobility.ca and they'll see you soon. Gray Bruce Brick and Landscape Supply in Hanover is this area's leader for all your interlocking stone and retaining wall solutions, including Canrock. They carry a wide selection of Aeroscraft, Permacon, and cultured stone products for all your landscaping projects, as well as clay brick, carrying top quality products, including Hansen. Your first choice for landscape, septic, and masonry products. Visit Gray Bruce Brick at 525 First Street in Hanover, 519 364 7778 or visit graybrucebrick.ca Gray Bruce Brick and Landscape Supply proudly serving the community for over 50 years This is Joseph Clark of Martial Arts World Radio Join me Mondays at 7pm for interviews and perspectives from today's and yesterday's top mixed martial artists from the UFC Full Contact Karate Kickboxing and Stars of Martial Arts Cinema That's Martial Arts World Radio Mondays at 7 p.m. on Blue Water Radio. 
Baseball Talk is brought to you by Lasting Memories Locker Room, downtown Hanover, where you will find incredible sports memorabilia, art supplies, and custom framing. Check them out online at LastingMemoriesLockerRoom.com. Welcome back to Baseball Talk on Blue Water Radio and Whiteman TV. I'm Steve Fitzsimmons along with Paul Hillier and Andy Clark as always. And uh, it was great to have Jay Bell uh, with us in studio. And uh, we thank him for, for coming in studio with us. And we are pleased to be joined by another guest uh, on on the phone, Andrew Van Woot, who uh, Andrew was uh, an NCAA pitcher for Canisius College. He's from Guelph, Ontario, and he has recently been pitching in the Intercounty League. That's well known, of course, and uh, unfortunately not able to play this year due to injury. Good evening, Andrew. How are you? Not too bad, Steve. Uh, how about yourself? I'm doing great. And, uh, you know, uh, it's interesting to, to chat about uh, a Canadian guy from Guelph, Ontario, that finds himself uh, getting a, a pretty high-level NCAA uh, college scholarship and, and doing very well at Canisius College. Tell us kind of how you got there um, from Guelph, Ontario. Uh, well, I uh, was first on the radar uh, in the uh, midget eliminations, the Ontario uh, Provincial Tournament to go to the Nationals. Um, personally, I had every every intention of playing uh, ball at the time and then uh, had a pretty good tournament there and a uh, coach from uh, Genesee Community College, uh, which is where I started, uh, started well, he, he recruited me pretty pretty hard. And uh, I ended up there for, for two years and uh, put up some pretty decent numbers and had a few offers from, from some other schools. And uh, eventually I settled on Kenesha just uh, based on its uh, close proximity to Guelph. Like uh, it's, it's located in downtown Buffalo, and, and you can make it there in about two hours. So, I mean, um, having my parents come out and watch me play college baseball is pretty cool as a, as a Canadian. Now, you're a left-handed pitcher, and... Uh... You know, when you look at your 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 numbers, I mean, you're a, you're a strikeout king. You know, uh, you have a tremendous fastball, obviously. But uh, um, looking back at uh, at Canisius College, um, I mean, did you did you have a sense that uh, um, you know this could be possibly a career that you might get drafted? Um, did you have aspirations at that point, uh, or were you just kind of happy to get there and? and kind of surprised that uh that baseball kind of uh, became your thing uh well i definitely definitely had aspirations i mean you don't go you don't play the game without those aspirations i mean i had those dreams as a young kid um but but uh when canisius came knocking i was like well this is a pretty good uh like mid-major division one school and uh i don't know i i had success in the the junior college ranks so uh i thought uh i thought you know Maybe like if the good Lord's willing, Canisius uh, might be the uh, the route to go to uh, further my baseball career. We were just talking to uh, uh, a guy that played NCAA J Bell. It was in studio with us, and you know he was talking about uh, how you know there was a certain level of of uh, you know getting up to speed as far as uh, the training and, and off ice or off uh, off field development uh, because. You know, you can't play baseball 12 months a year in Canada. And so he, he felt, you know, they called him raw and and felt that he, he had to, you know, work on things, which he did at a similar level to, to your junior college experience. Did you feel like that as well? Uh, yeah, it was a huge eye-opener. I mean, uh, 
I, I felt I had uh, great great coaches growing up in the uh, minor baseball system here in Ontario, but uh, I don't know, the first first few days of practice were just a grind. I mean, uh, well, with junior college anyways, there were 50 guys out there trying to make a 25-man roster. So, I mean, you couldn't take any pitch off. And uh, down there, like, I mean, you're, you're down there in, like, early August. Um, like I said, practicing seven eight hours a day and then by the time you get meals into you and you know proper sleep schedule and and adjusting to a new city it's uh quite quite the uh ordeal to overcome yeah there's not much time left in the day when you do all of that no not not at all and then uh well i mean the first first week and a half or so i mean it was strictly baseball and then you you introduce some some like schoolwork to it and I don't know. It's a it's a pretty uh, heavy grind, and it definitely opened my eyes for sure. I'd say it took me probably my first eight months before I was uh, really really up to speed, trying to uh, trying to adjust to everything. Um, after your NCAA time, uh, you were back in Canada, and in probably the best game going was the intercounty baseball league. And I, I don't know if all of our listeners and viewers will be familiar with that. So tell us. A little bit about the quality of the inter uh, county baseball league. Well, the the inter county baseball league is uh, one of its kind. I would say it's hands down the top top amateur baseball league in Canada uh, to begin with. Uh, but in that league, you've got guys that have well played played in the big leagues, and then you got college guys. You got quite the mix of guys uh, all around. Uh, but uh, when it comes to the competition, I mean, there's there's really not that much separating like uh guys in the minor leagues to to what you'd see in the inner county uh that's for sure yeah Which, notice here uh, from the website it mentions uh they had 45 players that either uh went on to play major league or played in the inner county league after some major league experience so that's, that's not too bad for a league that's been around for a while no it's uh actually going into its 100th year next year so uh it's quite quite the milestone for the league it's one of the oldest leagues uh, in Canada, if not North America, um, but uh, it's it's quite quite the array of players. Like you'll have pitchers that can can ramp it up 95 miles an hour, and then you'll have like well, some college guys that you know don't throw quite as hard yet because they're still still maturing into their bodies. And then, like I said, there there's some guys that can absolutely swing it in that league. Uh, if you look at a, a guy I know quite well, his name's uh, Sean Riley. Uh, he's 40 years old in the league, and uh, he had 18 home runs. I think he's got uh, seven or eight this year in the playoffs right now. And and he was a Minnesota Twins farmhand at one point. Um, but there are definitely some uh, top class hitters in the league. That's for sure. And is is there a a, a, a U, I guess a U.S. Uh, equivalent? Like I know in the majors, then they go down to Triple A and then Double A, and then they have High A and Low A. Uh, is there a, a match of the inner county league comparing to that in the U.S. Um, that's that's a, a difficult question. There's a, a lot a lot of independent leagues uh, that have some really high caliber ball players. Uh, the inner county, like I said, it's in a class of its own. Like we we draw several several uh, top notch American players that come up here and pitch or uh, you know play position anyways. Uh, but but the uh, inner county league itself. I would say probably stands on its own in terms of uh, in terms of quality. To, Andrew, to draw those players, uh, do, do they get played at all, or is it purely amateur? I'm sorry. Can you? Do, oh, sorry. Do they get paid at all? Uh, in the inner county league, there's a, a per diem. Uh, they do have rules uh, in place 
um, or player payment. It's technically a, an amateur league, but uh, if you're uh, traveling from uh, out of town, like, I mean, we had quite a few guys on my team a few years ago that were from uh, California, and, like, they would be given, you know, room and room and board and stuff like that and, you know, an opportunity to work. Uh, like, every team in the league has a generally has a baseball camp during the summer so the players will work that just to make some extra cash but uh, outside of mileage uh, it's pretty much paying out of your own pocket if you're a local guy anyways Andrew uh, you you had a chance to, to play for your hometown team uh, Guelph and uh, I'm sure that and you were I know you were you were their opening day starter that must have been kind of a thrill coming from Guelph well personally like I I grew up just a few minutes away from uh, Exhibition Park in town. So, I mean, I grew up with, with the Guelph Royals. I was their bad boy at one time. And, you know, I've been going to Royals games since I was about four years old. So, I mean, coming coming home to playing Guelph and then getting named opening day starter uh, a couple of years ago was, was pretty exciting. Um, I always, you know, always was enamored by the game of baseball. And, well, growing up, the Guelph Royals were my team. So, when I finally got the opportunity to play for them, I, like, you know, I took it took it in stride and was pretty ecstatic and tried to do my best out of it now you uh you had some free agent opportunities uh for tryouts with both the uh, chicago cubs and minnesota twins um tell us about uh, that experience with both of those teams um well with the, the the cubs tryout it was uh just a regional scout uh he came to watch me and another guy throw just in, in the gymnasium at genesee community college and uh, i don't know it was pretty pretty nerve-wracking you know like knowing that you're thrown in front in front of a scout like i mean i've i've thrown in front of scouts i mean they just don't necessarily announce themselves when they're they're sitting behind the backstop with a, a radar gun um the trial the trial with the twins was a bit different uh it was supposed to be uh on field but it was absolutely pouring that day so they pulled out this portable mound uh underground underground the state or of their stadium in uh rochester where the uh, rochester red wings play and uh, throwing in front of uh, scouts down there, I mean, once again, that was that was a little bigger bigger tryout. There were a few few more scouts there, but uh, just wasn't able to uh, to uh, ramp up the arm that uh, that high that day. And I don't know, that was that was pretty much all she wrote. I mean, they were looking for guys that were you know hitting low to mid nineties, and I don't know, no matter how hard I tried to ramp up, I I couldn't get over eighty nine, so. I don't know. Left-handers that throw that hard are a dime a dozen, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, timing is everything sometimes. Uh, Andrew, you, you you obviously played against some very high-level baseball players along the way. Um, who's the toughest guy or guys, maybe, that, that you faced? Uh, was it somebody that's in the major leagues? Or, um, like, who, who, who do you look back on and go, wow, I just couldn't get that guy out? Uh, well... There, there was a guy uh, I played with uh, back in 2007. Uh, I played in a, a summer league down in Virginia called the Valley League. And uh, actually, the Cleveland Cleveland Indian second baseman, Jason Kiptis, was on my team. And that guy was probably the best pure hitter I've ever seen. He was uh, an outfielder at the time. And I think he, well, he did win our, our league home run derby. But just watching him him swing with that lefty stroke, I mean... This this is just my personal preference, but a, a left-hander swing looks so much more natural than a right-hander. That I <laughs> and being a lefty, I would agree with that. No, like I, I mean, that's just my my personal personal preference. A lefty swing looks 
so much more natural than, than a right-hander's. But uh, Kipnis, he could swing swing the bat very well. Uh, a couple other guys that uh, I played with as well that I I, I didn't face, but uh, could just absolutely hit the uh, snot out of the ball. It was a, a local guy here named uh, Jamie Pogue. He played. He made it up to Double A with the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. He's actually their their bullpen catcher now, uh, as he was close friends with uh, Mike Bettini at the time. But that guy could. Uh, I don't know, just hit ropes you could you could hang your clothes on. And then uh more recently I would say the best best hitter I've seen in this area would probably be Sean Riley, who's a member of the uh, Kitchener Panthers right now. I mean, that that guy hit some tape measure home runs even off of me, like I've played against him and I don't know, he's probably probably hitting hit hit balls close to four seventy five off me at least. Oh. I mean I'm trying to be generous with that estimate, but I mean He's hit some uh, moonshots off of me. So here, I notice uh, you have a sister that uh, also uh, played in the states on scholarship. She played some ball at Wayne State. So, uh, did you spend a lot of long hours uh, pitching to her in the backyard, or uh, how did that work out? Huh. It's uh, funny you mention that. Like, I mean, I was kind of uh, her. Her, I don't know uh, way to explain it. Uh, Jimmy Hart's kind of the the name that comes to mind the wrestling manager uh, <laughs> didn't really like to talk when when she was younger so i did all all the talking for her and uh i don't know she followed me around and like you know we'd be playing out in the yard and i think pretty much every day after school like in elementary school would be out in the yard one of us would either be pitching to the other one or or hitting off off of uh, each other so i mean we grew up around the game like uh my dad was very much into the game and you know we'd tag along to his games and always be playing catch and stuff like that so was she a pitcher too no she was a she was an outfielder oh, okay she's a center fielder she was much much faster than i was so um but uh yeah she she played played the outfield a bit and middle infield and actually uh she, she played boys baseball for for most of her life and then made the switch to fast pitch when I think she was 13 or 14. So, I don't know, she ended up making the most out of that and ended up at uh, Wayne State. And I, I, I've got a topic for you now that's, that hits personally home to me is that uh, I heard you recently had surgery this year and it's put you out. I had my uh, left labrum and biceps tendon done in March and it's still not right. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what your injury entailed and, and how your progress is coming in the re- recovery of that? Um, well, well, my injury kind of uh, built up over a slew of a couple couple starts early early in the season in May. I was pitching for the uh, Brantford Red Sox at the time. And uh, first first couple starts of the year, uh, I kind of felt some back tightness that I, I normally hadn't had. And then uh, I was slated to start on a, on a Saturday afternoon. I remember it quite, quite vividly, and I was just getting loose in the outfield uh, pregame and was I don't know, doing some wind sprints and took a took a funny step uh, as I was doing a a wind sprint just warming up and uh, I don't know I kind of felt like a, a train hit me in, in the midsection of my body and lower back and I don't know it turns out uh, I had a couple herniated discs I had to get cleaned up and it was just very very innocent at the time like you know just running and you know my my low back seized up so I've recently had surgery and going through a rehab process on that you do you have intention to, to to pitch again maybe next year do you think or 
Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, definitely uh, want to hang up the spikes on my own terms. I don't like being uh, sidelined with an injury, that's for sure. I've definitely, I've, I've had offers to play for, for some teams and, you know, stuff like that, but uh, just haven't been able to give it a go this year. Andrew, when you when you look back at uh, baseball, say, 15 years ago in, in, in Ontario and even in Canada to today, um, do you think there's a lot more support and development system in, in, in terms of coaching and, and just uh, – the infrastructure in place to, to help kids um, in Canada become better today than there was? Uh, 100%, Steve. Uh, there's indoor facilities all around. Like, I have an indoor facility that, that I grew up with pretty close to my high school that I was at every day, you know, hitting uh, hitting in the cages or off the tees. And then there's a brand-new facility that's, well, recently opened in Kitchener just down the road from me here. Uh, called the Playball Academy, and I mean that's they've got a full-size turf infield in there, seven or eight batting cages, uh, pitching mounds. I mean, pl- the 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 players growing up today have have so many opportunities, and and well, with the the programs, these uh well PBLO teams and you know Ontario Blue Jay type teams that that travel south of the border. I mean, they're getting more exposure than ever. It's good to hear, and. Uh... Hopefully we see some more uh, kids progress to uh, to U.S. college and on up the ranks through the minor leagues into to Major League well, Baseball. It, it's happening, Steve. I mean, it's, it's happening as we speak. I mean, there's more kids playing college baseball in the U.S. than there are hockey. So, I mean, it, it's caught up, I would say, you know, tenfold uh, to what hockey used to be in Canada. Well, what hockey still is. But, I mean, there's more kids with, with more opportunities anyways in the country. Awesome to hear. Andrew, it was great of you to join us, and and good luck with uh, your rehab, and uh, hope to see you back on the field next year. Thanks a lot, Steve. There you go, Andrew Andrew Van Woot, uh, a member of the Intercounty League and uh, formerly of Canisius College on a U.S. uh, Division I scholarship. And uh, thanks to Andrew for joining us. We'll take another break on Baseball Talk and be back right after this. BWR Blue Water Radio. Mixing all your favorite music. News, music, and information. Blue Water Radio. All day long. 91.3 FM. If your active lifestyle is being held back by foot pain, Soul Science can help. Canadian certified podorthist Jeff Walker and myself, Caitlin Witkowski, are ready to get you back on your feet. Since taking over from Melissa Bendo in 2015, Soul Science has been the custom foot orthotic experts within this area. We provide comfortable orthotics in days, not weeks, that last for years. Come see us today. Give us a call at 1-844-337-7653 or visit us on the web at soulscience.ca. Here's something new for summer. It's Out of This World Fish and Chips at Riverside Campground and Store. That's at the corner of Concession 10 and Mulock Road at Crawford, just north from Highway 4 at the Bulldozer. Choose from their large menu, which includes hamburgers, footlongs with generous portions, all cooked especially for you, and then cool down with one of their great ice cream treats. Out of this world, fish and chips are open Monday to Saturday, 1130 till 2, and from 430 till 8. Fish and chips are closed Wednesday and then Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. Pre-orders can be taken at 519-369-5369. This area's best fish and chips. They're out of this world and just a short summer drive from anywhere. 
This Wednesday at 8 p.m., be sure to tune in to Whiteman TV Channel 6 for our stories. Whiteman TV will air a special one-hour show featuring the highlights of the 2016 Blue Water Radiothon. Whiteman Community TV was the winner of the prestigious National CCSA Award for the Best Community Building Story of 2016 for their coverage of the Blue Water Radiothon. That's this Wednesday on Whiteman TV, Channel 6 at 8 p.m. It's local radio and local TV for local health care. Save instantly on energy-saving products such as LED light bulbs, power bars, dimmer switches, ceiling fans, and more with the Save on Energy coupon program. Visit your local Canadian Tire, Home Hardware, Rona, Giant Tiger, and TSE to save instantly. Or visit Westereo.com to download the coupons of your choice. Coupons expire at the end of September, so catch the savings before they're gone. Save energy, save money with the Save on Energy coupon program. Go to Westereo.com for details today. BWR Blue Water Radio Mixing all your favorite music And welcome back to Baseball Talk Another great show We had a couple of great guests already And uh, Andy, I guess now we're going to get into the Twitter poll of the week Uh, What have you got for us this week? So uh, for our radio listeners, I'll read it out loud here And for our TV viewers, it's obviously coming up on the screen here But the question was How far will Tim Tebow the former NCAA and football star, how far will he go in his baseball career? And in the results here, uh, as far as saying he'll have a solid major league career, 11% uh, sided with that. Brief major league uh, stints, 21%. We're down with that. Triple A, 42%. So that was the big winner. Most people think he'll be able to advance as far as triple A. And then double A, there was a 26%. And uh, it sparked some conversation where some write-in votes said basically high A where he is now is they feel that's where he's going to end up. He's doing well there. Yeah. He had a blip where he went from uh, low class A to to high class A where for a while he was batting 300 for about 20 games. I noticed he's back down to hitting about 218 overall. And that's uh, combined uh, between both teams he's played on this year. Uh, Let's see, 118 strikeouts, 50 RBIs, 8 home runs. Uh... 20 doubles, so hit and miss. It's, it's hard to see. What do you guys think about Tim Tebow's uh, my own My own opinion is uh, there's, a, there's a lot of marketing value to Tim Tebow that supersedes. If this was Andy Clark playing baseball, <laughs> okay, um, this guy never gets above A ball probably, but because of the marketing uh, largesse that comes with Tim Tebow, I think they're going to give him every opportunity to do well or try to, to, to perform in, in double A for sure. Maybe AAA if he if he shows anything at AA at all. I'm sure he's going to get the call to AAA. Do I think he's going to get to the majors? If he does, it's a cup of coffee type of thing because I don't think he is a legitimate major league player talent-wise. But the guy's a good baseball player. I mean, there's no, no question about that. He has natural talent. But he's also, what, 29 or whatever he is? 20. Yeah, actually, I don't. Yeah, he's fairly old. Like, age in front of me you know, here, but for yeah. a baseball player, a rookie, yeah, he's, anyways, yeah. He's, he's fairly old. Um, so and, and and have had been focused on football forever, right? So yeah. he hadn't really been, you know, kind of gearing up to be a baseball player. But that's being said, um, I think the marketing angle of it is probably going to propel him to maybe. I think for sure, double A and possibly triple A, yeah. with with an outside shot of at least making a major league appearance. 
Yeah, he's d- definitely drawing thousands of uh, fans to Absolutely. stadiums that normally are pretty close to empty sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Your yeah. thoughts, Paul? I, I'm about the same as what Steve just said. I, I think he'll make the double-A move. Triple-A, uh, uh, it's hard to say at this point, but just having the name, and I mean, I don't know why his name is so valuable because to me he was never nothing more than a backup quarterback in the NFL anyway. But uh, somehow, you know, well, he was the Heisman Trophy winner. That's why. And I don't know. You, you win. You know, you have one good season. That's another guy who's had one good season, and all of a sudden he's a star, and uh, his star quickly faded out in the NFL. I think he's going to give it a shot in baseball. But if he makes it to AAA for a little bit, that's probably as high as he's going. I think. Yeah, I, I kind of sided with Steve. Where with his star power, I kind of feel he'll probably get some brief major league stints, just uh, out of the the human interest side of that. All right, that brings us to uh, our weekly archives, and we, we have a beauty this week here. Uh, we went all the way back to 1980, and uh, the headline you're going to be seeing for the Major League one here is, uh, it says, Jays lose Velez in two more ball, ball games, but here's the interesting part. The subtitle is, Steve is the first Toronto pitcher to bat, and he flies out. So, interestingly enough, there was quite a bit of cool details around this story. I actually, online, if you look this up on Twitter, at Gray County Guy, and I'm sure Whiteman and Blue Water will retweet those if you want to read them. Uh, so, it turns out that during the CNE uh, exhibition, they used to have a curfew, and games had to end at 5 o'clock at Exhibition Stadium. So, having said that, uh, the Jays were playing Minnesota. And uh, the game went into 14 innings, and then they called it. So they had to complete it the next day. So in the intervening evening, Otto Velez was hanging out with uh, one of his buddies from the Minnesota Twins, uh, Bombo Rivera. And uh, someone ran a, a, a stoplight and totally smashed their car. So he went to hospital. Apparently his face was swollen shut. His eye was swollen shut. He showed up at Exhibition Stadium to play the next day, kind of like a hockey player. <laughs> but uh, the Jays looked at him and his eye was swollen like, shut. No, so they, they sent him back to the hospital and he had a fractured uh, cheek. So all of this meant that they still had to finish the game the next day. And they had already used 19 players. And they'd had a bunch of injuries to like uh, John Mayberry and Barry Bunnell. So they already depleted. So they, they looked down the bench and said, all right, Dave Steve, you used to play outfield. Out you go. So uh, Dave Steve uh, played the rest of that game in outfield, and he, he got to bat. And, of course, so that made him the first pitcher, in a sense, even though he's playing in the outfield. He was the first one to ever make a, a plate appearance. And then, of course, the follow-up is that they uh, called up Canadian Paul Hodgson to replace Velez in the intervening time there. And strangely enough, I remember that time. Yeah, and I'm not sure cool, how because eh? that was 1980. I was only nine years old at the time, but uh, of course by then I was a big time baseball fan. So I remember Dave Steve batting, and it was a big deal in Toronto. Well, you know the funny thing is, of course, as a lot of people know, Dave Steve was drafted as an outfielder. So it's not like he'd be foreign to to swinging a bat along the way. And obviously, he wasn't successful in that that at bat. But uh, you know. Not completely crazy to to send him to bat, and so obviously that's what they did. Yeah, kind of interesting with the circumstances, eh? Where yeah, uh, for sure because apparently they needed to use the stadium for some shows at the CNE that night. So they're <laughs> like, all right, you have till five o'clock, and then can you imagine that now that at just the Rogers Center? Fly today, right? All right, Jays, uh, you got to cut it short here. You could finish it Rolling up some Stones other time. concert coming up. Like <laughs> actually, the way the Jays have been playing the last few nights, I mean, I used to cut them short about the seventh inning. Yeah. That's they're usually in the lead at that point before, and, uh, uh, but then they tear it apart in the last two innings. And lose it. Nice. Uh, so that was from the August 30th, 1980 Globe and Mail, an article by James Gala. Our local one, I actually have a double bill here. There's uh, two on the same uh, page. And uh, the headline says, IWA Pee Wees win 
And it uh, gives an account of the 10th annual Red Henry Peewee Tournament here in Hanover and talks about some games between uh, Hanover and Concord and Mount Forest and uh, mentions a Steve Mitchell uh, having an 11K and a 12K uh, strikeout games there. It mentions people like Larry Wilson, Chris Dietz, and uh, Tom Whitehead, who actually just passed away last year. He was a well-known local fella. And the other article there uh, says Horizon Chicks Win, and it's uh, about a WOAA juvenile girls game that was won 8-3 in Durham. And it mentions some locals such as uh, Deb Jank and Lib Norris, Martha Magwood, and Sandy Bubbles Hoy. And uh, they think didn't give first names for the Durham players, but uh, no shock that the last names were like Mighton, Wilson, Nixon, <laughs> Hopkins, and Bell. I, I don't know if there's ever been a sport game played uh, for a Durham team without the names Mighton, Wilson, Nixon, and Hopkins, and Bell in there. But Popular names in the area. Yeah, so if you want to catch those, you can read those uh, at Gray County Guy on Twitter. You can read them in detail for yourself. Sounds good. Uh, it's time for Paul's Fantasy Corner, Paul. And uh what do you have for us this week? Who's hot? Who's not? You know, it's funny that this week it looks like there's a bunch of outfielders that seem to be on the rise. Uh, Denard Spann for the San Francisco Giants has had a, 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 ter- a terrific week. I was going to say terrible. It's been a terrific week for him. Um, Nicky Delmonico, for the, uh, I believe he plays outfield for the White Sox. Five home runs this in the past week. Uh, I don't know where he came from. Um, he's not in my fantasy league Nobody has. But he maybe should be. He's a well, he's a free agent. He's available in my league, and I, I was looking at it today, whethering trying to get him or not. But uh, as of yet, I haven't made the move. Uh, Mike Napoli of the Texas Rangers, the first baseman, has had a great week. Another power hitter. He strikes out a lot, so strikeouts are a big thing in your league. Uh, he may or may not be someone you want to pick up, but uh, for home runs and RBIs, uh, you can't go wrong with a guy getting ten RBIs in one week. So we know the Blue Jays are sinking like a ship. Uh, what else is sinking that you don't want, that you want to get rid of on your team? Uh, it's it's hard to say. I mean, I, I've been in the situation where I've had I have two fantastic pitchers, and unfortunately for me, both of them play for the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are a great team. And unfortunately, yeah. both of them are on the disabled list, and that's Clayton Kershaw and you Darvish. Just say Darvish will be one. I, I'm hoping they're not going to be long term because if they are at this point in the season, you may as well drop them and pick up somebody who can help you in in the present tense. But right. uh, to tell to tell anybody to drop either of those players is almost ridiculous. So we're not going to go that way at all. Um, there's not really anyone that jumps out on me at this time of the year that you want to get rid of, but. Uh, Kendry's Morales for the Blue Jays might be someone you might want to think about. He's he's been atrocious lately, striking out a lot. And another name that you might want to talk about is Aaron Judge. Believe it or not, yeah, the, he's, he's done nothing since the All Star break. Constantly, eh? yeah. Thirty-seven straight games with a strikeout, and he finally broke that last night yeah, because he, he they pulled him halfway through the game or something, and he didn't strike out. So uh, again, another guy who's we all forget though. I mean, there was so much hype about Aaron Judge. He's a rookie. Yeah, you know, making six hundred grand. You know, he's not, you know, the triple crown threat that, uh, you know, he he sort of came on to be in the first couple of months of the season. Like, he's a rookie player that's trying to figure out, you know, how to stay in the major leagues and be a, a decent player. And, you know, ultimately, I think he will be able to do that. But, you know, he's struggling right now. Oh, yeah. He, he's not a Giancarlo Stanton or any of those guys that's going to hit 50 home runs this year. But, uh He's, he, did, uh, he, he did make it exciting for the first half of the season. I'll give him that. Sure did. He was unconscious there. I wonder how much of it. Like, there's some talk about the home run home run contest. Maybe threw him out of the out of, the zone he was in. And it certainly, if you look before and after, he went from unconsciously amazing to chasing just 
And you know we've heard that Garbage every year. Pitches. The home run yeah. derby often throws a hitter out of his rhythm for the for the next month or two in the season. We've certainly seen guys um, decline to be pr- participating in that, although it's such a, a good fan friendly thing. Um, but there has been stars in the past that have said, "No, I'm not going to do it." Mm-hmm. Hey, I'd be interested to see if he uh, signs up again next year for it. It'll be interesting to see if he even makes or the All Star uh, game yeah, next year. Yeah. The way he's scuffling right now, it's hard to say. Yeah, he's cha- he's been chasing some terrible pitches too. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, I mean, we had two great guests, Andrew Van Woot and Jay Bell, and who was in studio with us. Uh, and we're at the end of another baseball talk. And uh, guys, it was a, g- a good episode. It was. It was a great time uh, having two guests in one episode. In one yeah. episode is no, uh, kind not of one, but two uh, lefty NCAA aces. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of cool. There That's, you go. That'll be a first for us, lefty pitchers. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that there is you. the end of the show for this week. Uh, Thank you for listening on Blue Water Radio and watching on Whiteman TV. And uh, we'll be back next week with another great episode for you.